on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line with uh, Carter Bird doing the solo host duties here uh, on the line, the show that tells you how it is and holds nothing back. My buddy and co-host uh, Jacob Goins is on the road getting getting ready to call some uh, Lee Scott playoff basketball over at Springwood uh, as they are kicking off the playoffs here in uh a couple hours, I do believe, so exciting times over there, and he's going to be covering that game. Obviously, Auburn High basketball is getting close to uh, getting started as well, uh, and our good buddy Jack Hudden will be calling those games as well. Um, but here we are in the Auburn Network studios here on this uh, Thursday afternoon, and uh, I think the story that uh, we have to lead off with is we saw something different last night. We saw something that we have not seen all year long uh, out of Auburn basketball, and that was 40 minutes of complete basketball. I don't think we've seen much of that all year. Um, we've seen it maybe, the argument that could be made, the Washington game, but that was against a not very good uh, team. And so here we are now... After a must-win game, because everything that Auburn had coming in, coming off a two-game losing streak against Texas A&M, against, um, against West Virginia on the road, you knew Auburn needed to get right, especially because the schedule's pretty daunting. Uh, I mean, just looking at the back half of conference play for Auburn, you got to play Tennessee twice, Alabama twice, Texas A&M on the road. Uh, you're on the road at Vanderbilt, and you're on the road at Kentucky. Uh, and you've got a decent Missouri team who looked uh, pretty solid last night um, as well coming to town. It's a very, very difficult second half of the schedule. We know it's significantly harder than the first half. Auburn got lucky with in this time period that they had to figure out really their identity as a team, uh, who they were, figure out how to play with each other, how to get the most out of everybody. Auburn was fortunate that the first half of conference play, it was a lot of teams that are either in the middle of the SEC or at the back end. Uh, I do think there will be significant movement uh, in the SEC here over the back stretch because I think that there's at least one team that played uh, the essentially Auburn's second half of conference play schedule in the first half, and I think they're going to make a big move. But Auburn last night in a revenge game after Auburn went on the road in January uh, and lost at Georgia, a game that shocked everybody, that was kind of jarring to Auburn basketball fans because it's something we're not used to because this – this Auburn team has been so good recently. I mean, over the past five years, it's been the best program in the SEC. 
And uh, somebody needs to tell Carl Ravitch that because, I mean, he's been all over uh, SEC Network and ESPN the past couple weeks calling games saying that, uh, you know, with what Nate Oates is doing at Alabama, the SEC's always had Kentucky, but now it's got Alabama. And when you look at the last five years, that's just not what's happened. I mean, Alabama, yes, they've, they've been good, but the best team in this conference for the last five seasons, has been Auburn. So when Auburn went on the road to Georgia, everybody expected Auburn to beat that Georgia team, that Georgia team that just won just six games the year before. And Georgia got after Auburn a little bit. Auburn did not shoot well in that game. Georgia shot better. They were good from three. Uh, They got to the free throw line twice as often as Auburn did. And it was an inefficient game by Auburn's guards. It really was. Allen Flanagan had a solid game. Jalen Williams had a rough game. Wendell Green, Katie Johnson did not have good games. But this game last night was so big, just from a perception, from a confidence, from a just get right spot, it was so massive for Auburn against Georgia. And I'll be honest, I didn't feel good going in. I had a feeling in my gut because... We know what Cario Okendo and we know what Terry Roberts can do against Auburn because they've done it. Terry Roberts had 26 points in the first matchup. Cario Okendo had 17 points in the first matchup, and he played well against Auburn last year. But Auburn showed up and got after Georgia, made life very difficult on them, just played a complete basketball game from start to finish. And the shooting stats are not spectacular in the first half. I mean, 45.5%, 4 of 14 from 3. Got to the line 11 times, made 8 of them. Uh, And I think that those stats are a little misleading because Auburn missed, what, its first six three-point attempts? So it was a little slow. But Auburn got good looks. Auburn settled into the game. And you watched an Auburn team absolutely separate from what I think is a solid SEC team in Georgia. A a Georgia team that is going to continue to win games in conference play and stick in the middle of the league because you look at the way that those guards can play for them. Those guards can keep them in about any game that they play. Now, when those guards go cold, they're also capable of losing to about anybody in the league besides the very bottom of the league when you look at teams like LSU, like South Carolina, like Ole Miss. Bakario Okendo last year against Auburn gave 25 in, in the, the matchup last year in Athens. Gave you 17 in the first matchup this year. Auburn does a great job in this game, even early, making those Georgia guards work for it more, making them more uncomfortable. Terry Roberts takes two shots the entire first half. That's the guy that went for 26 last timeout. Cario Okendo, one for five from the field in the first half. Or threes, actually. Um, He did get to the free throw line. He ended up with seven points in the first half. But you limit those two guys early, and it allows Auburn to take a significant lead in this game. 
And part of what needs to be discussed also is this Auburn team took care of the basketball last night. First half, you had two total turnovers, both by Wendell Green. And honestly, like Wendell played a good game. He got hot as the game went along. It was a slow start. He had a couple turnovers early. But then he takes care of the basketball the rest of the way and allows Auburn to build a 42-24 to lead. And frankly, Auburn needed it because I saw some of the pictures I was – when I was filling in on the drive yesterday with Bill Cameron at uh, Big Mike's Steakhouse, I saw some of the pictures of the crowd. I saw some of the pictures of the student section as recently as, what, 35 minutes before tip? It looked pretty empty. And, I, and there were concerns because I did not know if the atmosphere was going to be what, what Auburn fans, what Auburn players have become accustomed to in Neville Arena, in Auburn. Because Neville Arena over the past five years has become as difficult a place to play in the country. I know that some people say it's small. Some people don't properly weigh the home court advantage factor if you look on Kimpom. But Auburn Arena is as good of a home court advantage because the students are on top of the court. They're very loud. It's very compact. And it gets all of the noises trapped in that arena and it makes it louder and louder as the game goes on and as the crowd gets more excited. So I think that this was a beautiful start by Auburn. The way that they got going, they were able to get some steals. They were able to get some um, transition dunks that I think helped Auburn kind of get into a flow. It helped them build some momentum. And, I mean, I was impressed. I really was. Because I did not know that this team was going to respond like this. Because of the slow starts the previous two games, where the shooting had not been perfect early. The other team had been red hot. Auburn had struggled to guard the three-point line in the previous two games. And you saw Texas A&M, who's not a particularly great shooting team, build a 45-30 lead at half. Then on Saturday, you saw a West Virginia team with a streaky shooter in Eric Stevenson build a 45-29 lead at half. And when you do that, you don't leave yourself any room for error. And I think that that is something that you saw take place um, in the previous two games, but you saw the opposite happen on Wednesday night, where Auburn was able to build a lead. Auburn was able to get out there and uh, get out front and stay in front as a result. But, I mean, it was encouraging because I really do feel that this was the best game Auburn played all year long. Not everybody played spectacular. But the key pieces that need to get going played really well. And some guys who necessarily aren't guys you ex- you would expect to have to be significant pieces going forward. A couple of them had big games. I think early on, you saw Chris Moore, 
who had been coming off that injury, been coming off that shooting shoulder injury where he'd separated his shoulder um, back a few, I guess it was the Ole Miss game, a couple a few weeks ago. He looked rusty in his first two games, but I mean that's going to be part of it, especially when you hurt your shooting shoulder. Early on, he looked awesome. He really did. I was very impressed. I thought he he was doing a lot of it doesn't necessarily show up in the stat sheet, but he was doing a lot of dirty work that was very helpful. You saw the impact his energy has on the court. He hit a 3 early. He got a quick 5 points. And you know what? Like having him back, having him in a flow, having him playing well takes this Auburn team to a different level. And you can say the same thing for for other guys that played well in this game. We have now seen a little stretch run here of solid, decently efficient basketball by KD Johnson. And if that continues, Auburn can be a team that we didn't necessarily think that they could be 48 hours ago. Because 48 hours ago, you had one half of solid basketball out of KD Johnson really in conference play. You had an inconsistent point guard in Wendell Green. You had Alan Flanagan, who at times is so good shooting the basketball and is such a great offensive threat and protects the basketball. Other times is wildly inefficient, turns the ball over a lot. But it felt like this game was so important to Auburn to get right, to get going in the right direction, to come back together as a team before this gauntlet that you're about to have to run. And it starts Saturday when you're on the road at Tennessee, then you're on the road at A&M, then you're Alabama at home, then you're Missouri at home, then you finish the year, your last three games, at Kentucky and Rupp, Alabama on the road, Tennessee at home. There's nobody in the country that will play there's no maybe the Big Twelve. There's no bot there's not many teams in the country that will play a more challenging stretch than that in the back half of their conference play. But I thought this game was absolutely critical, absolutely massive for Auburn to get back going in the right direction. And I think that this is something that Auburn can absolutely build on going forward. We're gonna continue to talk about this game um, throughout the day a little bit. We're going to talk about some other stuff that happened with Auburn Athletics. Um, Very big day across uh, a couple different sports for Auburn yesterday. And it feels like some momentum in a couple sports are starting to build, and that's very encouraging. Um, But if you want to be a part of the show, if you want to call in, give your thoughts, your comments, uh, ask some questions, feel free to call in at 334-321-1390 here on the line. We're going to hit our first break. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk this Auburn-Georgia basketball game. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Welcome back to On the Line here in the Auburn Network studio. Carter Bird, joined by... uh, or intern running the controls, Ginny. Uh, my co-host Jacob Goins is on the road right now. I think he's setting up at Springwood 
for some Lee Scott basketball. Uh, I believe the Lee Scott girls get started here at around 3 o'clock against Springwood. Uh, I think the boys get rolling at 7.30, playing Springwood at well as well in the regional semifinals. Uh, I think both those are on AU100. If you want to keep an eye on those, keep an ear out for those as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, but we've been here in the studio so far today talking about the Auburn basketball game last night. And I want to talk about some of the performances that you saw out of Auburn's players in this game. Coming into the game, you knew last time out it was a rough game for Wendell Green, 2 of 12 against Georgia. Uh, Jalen Williams was 1 of 9. I thought those were your two guys that had to get going, uh, that had to play a great game for Auburn to get right in this spot. One of those turned out to be true. Uh, the other... Not uh, as much. I mean, he was he was fine. He really was, but he wasn't anything spectacular. Jalen Williams with just four points, two of six shooting, 0 of 1 from three, but he did grab five boards. He did have four assists. He did not turn over the basketball. He stayed out of foul trouble, which at times he can kind of work his way into um, some foul trouble. I think there's some moments where he just has almost like a lack of patience on the defensive end, and it's just he has some fouls where it's just – it's it's moments where you feel like, hey, maybe take a breath, get in your defensive stance, and you'll be fine. Um, but you did get a great performance out of Wendell Green last night. He gave you 18 points, 6 of 11 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3. This is a guy who coming into the game was shooting, I believe, 27.5% from 3 on the year. His 3 of 5 performance last night bumps him up to 29.2 on the year. Still down from last year of about uh, 2.5%, where he shot 31.7% from deep. But when he is shooting it well from three, uh, he got to the free throw line three times, or four times. He made three of them. He's the best free throw shooter on this Auburn team as well. But when, when he's able to shoot it well from three, when he's able to be efficient shooting the basketball, it elevates this Auburn team. It's, it takes them to a different level. Uh, he grabbed a couple boards. He had six assists in the game to just two turnovers. And those two turnovers, I think, came very early. Very early in the first half, he had 11 points. He shot the ball well. Uh, I think he missed some shots there very early. He had a couple rebounds, a couple assists. But he had those two turnovers pretty quickly into the game, if I do recall correctly. But the way that he was able to protect the basketball and start to heat up from the field, that is huge. And that's these, we see these flashes of greatness out of Wendell Green. We see these moments where he really looks so good. And he you can make an argument in stretches in time that he's one of the best point guards in the SEC, and he's one of the better point guards in the country. It's all about consistency for Wendell Green. And we had about a two-week stretch there where even some games when it wasn't necessarily the most efficient shooting from the field, he got to the free throw line. I think that's a great equalizer for him when he's able to do that. Didn't have to do it as much in this game last night. But you look at, I mean, he had a stretch from the Arkansas game 
to the Texas A&M game where he scored at least 14 points. He had 19, 23, 27, 14, 16, and 16. And in that stretch, for the most part, he shot the ball very well. Uh, I mean, Ole Miss is the most inefficient game, and he scored 23 points in that game because he got to the free throw line 11 times, making all 11. And over that stretch, he got to the free throw line 9 times, 11 times, 7 times, 3, 7, 9. I mean, when he is at his best, he's getting to the free throw line because then that makes it where he doesn't have to necessarily be crazy efficient from from the field. But when he is efficient from the field, he shoots it extremely well, and it's it's very impressive. Um, but when he when he protects the basketball, when he doesn't turn it over a bunch, that's when we see the best version of Wendell Green. Against Georgia last time out, it was two of twelve from the field, two of six from three, uh, or two of four, or two of six from two rather. Oh, of six from three. He got the line three times. He made all three, but he had four turnovers to three assists. And in this game, he had six assists to two turnovers. So you saw him return to the form that he was at. And last time out against West Virginia was not a particularly great game. It wasn't one to write home about either. He was 2 of 10 in that game. 1 of 5 from 2, 1 of 5 from 3. Got the line four times and he hit all four. Had a couple rebounds. He had five assists, but he turned it over four times. He had nine points, five assists, but four turnovers on an inefficient shooting night. Wendell Green really, to me, is the key to... He is the driving force for this Auburn team. When he plays well, Auburn is extremely difficult to beat. Extremely difficult to beat. When he is efficient, when he is not turning the ball over, Auburn goes to a different level. And when you get performances, when you get other guys stepping up too, it just further pushes, it, it puts Auburn into a different gear. Um, they, it's like hitting the, the, the NOS button in a car and they just take off and they can be an explosive offense for stretches in time. But that, but that's the issue with Wendell this year. There've been these stretches where, where it's been inefficient. There've been games. I mean, you go back, you look at, it was not a great game against Northwestern. One of nine from the field. It was not a great game against Memphis. Three of nine from the field. And in those games, like against Northwestern, four turnovers against Memphis, four turnovers. Against Washington, interestingly enough, and Auburn's best game, that's when he was dealing with that injury. That's that stretch in time where Trey Donaldson was playing outside of his mind. It's two of nine, five turnovers. But these stretches where he plays really, really well, these these great stretches are when Auburn is at its best. And we're going to continue to talk about this team. We're going to continue to talk about this game and what it means going forward here after the break. But you are on On the Line. If you want to call in, 334-321-1390. We'll talk to you on the other side of this break. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz. And Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Welcome back to On the Line here in the Auburn Network studio. Carter Bird soloing the show today because 
My buddy Jake McGowens is on the road uh, calling Lee Scott basketball. We've been talking a lot about this Auburn basketball game, but uh, we're going to head to the phone line for the first time here today. 334-321-1390. Terry's on the line. Terry, welcome in. How are you? I'm doing great, Carter. How about you, buddy? I'm doing all right, man. Uh, how are? What did you think about that game last night? Well played, but Carter, I want you to do me a favor. Let's pump the brakes on Wendell Green a little bit because Georgia, <laughs> LSU, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Ole Miss are probably the five worst teams in this league. I don't agree on Georgia. I think Georgia is a solid team. I think Mississippi State, you're going to see them. That That's going to become a very solid win. Uh, Arkansas is starting to win some games. I mean, they just beat A&M. They're getting better. They're starting to figure it out. Some I didn't think that they had the ability to do. They're a very talented team. Uh, but well, if, I mean, he wants, if, if he if he wants to impress me, then to put up those kind of numbers this weekend against Tennessee. I, and honestly, Terry, I mean, I wouldn't. I'm not going to say that he is going to be. He's going to win his matchup because he's going to go against Zakai Ziegler, who I think is the best point guard in the SEC this season, personally. Uh, but that in, in that matchup, if it's Ziegler guarding Wendell Green, Ziegler's not this big, long guy. Uh, that that we've seen in in against West Virginia, against Texas A and M, uh, against some of these teams when they can throw very long athletic guards at Wendell in a trap. That's when he has struggled because I mean, and and I'll I've said it on the show. I don't think he has the elite speed and quickness or the elite half court vision needed to beat a lengthy athletic trap. But I'm not sure that if it's Ziegler guarding him on Saturday, that that's the kind of guy that will make it very difficult on him where he struggles to get the ball across half court, where he struggles to make that first pass, and you see him turn the ball over a lot. I think you might see a big game out of Wendell Green in Thompson Bowling this week. If he's not shooting 26-and-a-half-foot jumpers. I tell you what, Terry, I, I, I had a conversation with somebody last night about this. And I don't know exactly where you can find the stats, but this is somebody who's extremely knowledgeable about the the game of college basketball, uh, and he knows where to pull great stats. Um, he's actually on Twitter, and his Twitter tag is, uh, I think it's at Orange and Drew. Um, but he is one of the more plugged-in Auburn basketball people on Twitter. He told me that Wendell's actually more efficient, and he's shooting from a higher percentage from three on the super deep threes this year than he is at the ones right at the, the three-point line. Well, I do know this when he's missing, and, and I don't doubt what you're saying, Carter. The guy's probably way more knowledgeable than you or I. But here's the thing. If he shoots up a 26-footer misses, he's putting Auburn in a bad spot. That's fair. That's fair. But, I mean, he hit a couple last time night. Not than he misses. Well, I mean, I, I, I think that that's a product of – he has not been as good from three in general this year. Um, and I think part of that is the fact that there is not a Jabari Smith out there that commands the attention of the other team so much that that is the first priority. There is a little it's a little bit more straight up. They're able to give Wendell more attention. There's less opportunities. I mean, there are zero opportunities for him to catch a ball, open in rhythm, and t- 
take a three, like a catch-and-shoot three. That's, that's, well, let's face it, Carter. There's not many Jabari Smiths walking around out there. I, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's one right now at Alabama, and that's about it in the, uh, in the country this year in college basketball. But, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I just think that we've seen his three-point percentage dip a little bit this year, and I think that that's a product of it's harder for him to get good looks. Well, he's only five foot nine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is. So, I mean, he he is short, absolutely. If, but it's it's it, there's more attention paid to him. It's it's harder for him to get loose. Harder for him to get open. If it's not for the guy you mentioned, Tennessee guarding him, who would it be? And is is a guy long and lean? Because that would be a problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and I don't know when. Auburn's next matchup that they're going to run into that. I mean, well, I guess in just a week from now, from yesterday, when they go on the road to A and M, I am. That is that is the game where I think we are going to learn a lot about this staff and their ability to make adjustments to cover up the. And I've referred to it a lot here over the last week or so the warts on the roster, the things that um, maybe are hindrances that you that are always going to be there, like the size of Wendell Green, uh, like the size of the guards in general, um, and the way that A&M has thrown that very long trap at Wendell, and he has struggled with it the last two times out. I am very curious to see what sort of a game plan, what sort of scout Auburn can have to account for that because and I think back to there is a moment where where we know that Bruce Pearl we know that Stephen Pearl we know that this staff can put together a great scout and I point to the final four year when Auburn played Kentucky in Rupp and Auburn and Stephen Pearl owned up to this after the Elite Eight game they were going under ball screens on the perimeter and it allowed Tyler Hero to get hot. It allowed Kentucky to shoot like crazy from deep. And then in the Elite Eight, all of a sudden, they were in Tyler Hero's jersey. They were in all these Kentucky guys' jersey, going over screens, making life more difficult on the perimeter, and they shut them down. And it's a matter of making that correction. I don't think the game plan was necessarily ready the first time A&M was there. I don't think it was necessarily the... I don't think they were had a plan to account for that trap yet, and I want to see what they have come up with over the last two weeks. Now, Carter, I was trying to leave a broom and some of the other post guys. Fake it, the window, he'd shoot it. Take care. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be um, this. We we haven't even talked about Jenai Broom yet. Um, last night, I, I I do want to shout him out because that's the best game he's played at Auburn. Best game he's played at Auburn, and in an SEC game to watch. I, I really wanted wanted him to get to twenty and twenty. That would have been so much fun because uh, I can't recall the last time an Auburn player's done it. I don't think Kessler did it last year, um, and Auburn really has not had a ton of. I mean, I, maybe Wiley did it. I think Wiley could have done it against Alabama because for some reason Austin Wiley just absolutely ate Alabama alive in his career. But his Janai Broom going for 19 points. And it was efficient, too. It was 8 of 11 from the field. <laughs> he had two three-point attempts. One of them, 
I think one of them came early, and I was not necessarily uh, at a TV, so I didn't get to see exactly what it looked like at that point in time. But the second one, I had gotten home from Big Mike's, and I was able to watch it. There was nobody remotely around him, and I think he just he held on to it for a few seconds, and he thought, okay, I'm this wide open. I'm going to let it rip. It did not go, but two of his three misses for the game were from three, so he is eight of nine from two. He goes to the line. He hits three free throws. He gets 18 rebounds in that game. Georgia got 27 for the game. So he had two-thirds of the rebounds Georgia had. That is so unbelievably impressive. This is the best game Jani Broom has played at Auburn. And I don't think it's close. I really don't. He still was making somewhat of an impact on the defensive end. Maybe wasn't as much as we've seen in the past. He had a block. He had a steal. Interestingly enough, he didn't have any fouls, um, which has got to be the first time he's done that all year long. But if he's going to play like that, and Wendell's going to shoot the ball the way he shot it, and Allen's going to shoot the ball the way he shot it, I mean, he's 8 of 10 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3. If Allen Flanagan shoots 80% in one of these big games coming up in Tennessee uh, against A&M, against Alabama, and he does not turn the ball over because that is, I think, Allen, when he starts turning the ball over, then he can sometimes start trying to do too much. But when he stays within himself, when he gives you that 100% effort all the time, which, I'll be honest, at points in his career, I don't think that we have seen that. I think we've seen him get frustrated. We've seen him have the turnover. And we've seen it affect him. But I think back to, I forget which game it was. Maybe it was Arkansas. Where he either, I think he had a shot blocked or he turned the ball over uh, on a fast break. And he hits the floor on the baseline. And he gets up. And in the past, I think we, we may not have seen him be that active on the defensive end immediately after that turnover. But he got up and he sprinted his butt back. He got a steal, and Auburn came back the other way and got a bucket. And that, to me, that is the version of Alan Flanagan that if you get consistently with Wendell playing well, with Janai playing well, you can win games. Especially because, look, Jalen Williams is going to have better games than what he had last night. And he didn't necessarily have a horrific game. He made his impact elsewhere. He's been passing the ball extremely well recently, by the way. That's been maybe the most interesting development of his game is the way that he's been able to distribute to his teammates, specifically Jani Broom. I mean, against A&M, he was Auburn's best passer on the floor. He, he fit the ball into some very tight windows, some, made some difficult passes, made them look easy, and gave Jani Broom some beautiful looks, beautiful looks at the rim, and he was able to finish it off. But when you get that performance out of Alan Flanagan, when you get that performance out of Jani Broom, when you get that performance out of Wendell Green, heck, Katie Johnson, who I have been as critical of Katie Johnson as anybody out there, when he gives you an efficient four of seven, I still don't love necessarily all the three-point attempts, but he hit one. He was one of three in the game, so I'm not going to harp on that. He gets to the free throw line. He'd been getting to the free throw line since conference play started 
1.6 times a game. Before conference play, he was getting to the free throw line three and a half times a game. He's a good free throw shooter. He hadn't showed it in conference play where he was shooting 58%. He was shooting 82% in non-conference play when he's getting to the line more often. But he, when he goes to the rim, when he gets to the free throw line, he is a valuable asset to this team. And it's, it's a matter of he has to get that edge. He has to keep that edge. And right now, we've seen the best 60 minutes of Katie Johnson's season in a row right now. Last night and the last 20 minutes against West Virginia, if this is Katie Johnson turning a corner, I believe this Auburn team will be significantly better than we th- we thought on, s- what, Saturday at 2 o'clock after taking the loss at West Virginia, taking back-to-back losses. This Auburn team, there is a gear in there. There is a level that they have. It's just staying healthy, getting everybody playing together, getting Chris Moore back, getting him playing better. I think that's key. I'm very encouraged about what I think this Auburn team can do the rest of the season. It's going to be challenging. It absolutely is. But I think this Auburn team has something in them. And we're going to go to our next break here on On the Line. If you want to call in, call in at 334-321-1390. When we come back, we might switch gears here a little bit. Uh, and talk about some of the other news around Auburn athletics that happened yesterday. We'll see you on the other side of this break. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Welcome back to On the Line here in the Auburn Network studio. Um, The... The Thursday edition of On the Line, solo in it here in the Auburn Network studio as my uh, co-host Jacob Goins is on the road doing some Lee Scott basketball. Uh, if you want to call in and be a part of the show, call in at 334-321-1390. Uh, and we've been talking a lot about that um, Auburn basketball game last night, but I kind of want to shift gears here for a little bit. And I want to talk about... It was an eventful day yesterday in Auburn Athletics, not on the the in the arena of competition, rather. It was on the recruiting trail. And you see the way that Auburn is picking things up in basketball and football. And it started yesterday morning when Malik Autry, I think it was around noon actually, Malik Autry, 2025 defensive lineman. From Opelika High School, four-star, highly rated guy. He commits and becomes Auburn's first commit in the 2025 class. And that's key to me because I think it's, I always like when you are able to get that first building block piece in a class early. Especially somebody that loves Auburn. Somebody that calls Auburn home. Somebody who is around Auburn. He's very close. I mean, he's just up the road at Opelika. He said in his interview, uh, after the commitment was announced, I believe that interview may have come over the weekend, uh, from what I've heard, <laughs> Auburn is home. I mean, he look, he said his parents have been uh, 
by his side his entire life. And he's grown up so close to Auburn. Auburn has always been that school that he was a fan of. I think he posted pictures on Twitter of him as a kid wearing Auburn stuff. But to me, this is the exact type of guy you go get to be the first player in a 2025 class. Somebody who I think is only going to go up in recruiting rankings. Uh, From what I've heard from some people, um, one of the best linemen in the state at the 7A level starting, and he was 15 years old this past fall. 15. That's unbelievable that he was that good. And he's huge. He's 6'5", 280. He's only going to get bigger. He might He might keep growing. We could be talking about a guy who's 6'8", playing on the defensive line for Auburn. And at that point, you got to wonder if Bruce Pearl has interest in him to uh, be a two-sport two star here at Auburn. But, uh, I mean, I think that he is a great piece. And the momentum continued as Auburn picked up a commitment later in the day, a couple hours later, in four-star corner Jaden Lewis of the 2024 class. And this is somebody that we've talked about on this program before. We've had Christian Clemente of Auburn 247 on, and he's somebody that he pointed to when talking about, hey, that could be that could be an early addition to this 2024 Auburn class. And the fact that you bring him in, now you have two four-star DBs, two four-star in-state DBs, I do believe, committed to your team right now uh, with Amon Lane and uh, Jaden Lewis. And this is another guy. And this is a common theme. You've seen it over the years. What's one of the first things he said about Auburn? He said, Auburn has everything I need. Every time I go, it feels like home. Home is so key because you hear about that. You've always heard when guys go on their visits to Auburn. Auburn has that family feel. It's a family at Auburn. It's a family. It's home. It's, it's or as Jaden Lewis says, Auburn has everything he needs. And that's the type of energy that Auburn can have when you have a coach that embraces that. When he looks, when he dives deep into that. And we're going to talk more about this here uh, in hour number two. But uh, if you want to call in and be a part of the show, phone line is 334-321-1390. We're going to go to our end of the hour break, and we will see you on the other side. On ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line with... Carter Bird soloing it here in the Auburn Network studio. 
Uh, my co-host Jacob Goins is on the road doing Lee Scott basketball as they are. I think the girls game just got underway within the last two minutes if they're on schedule over on AU 100. Uh, they're taking on Springwood over at Springwood. And then I know that the boys get going at 7.30 tonight uh, at Springwood against Springwood as well. Um, little surprised that those games are at Springwood considering um, the boys team has lost one game this entire year and it was to an out-of-state team. Um, but here on On the Line today, we've been talking a lot about Auburn basketball. Started talking about Auburn football recruiting. Uh, if you want to call in, call in at 334 321-1390. Uh, and we're going to continue to talk about um, the events away from the arena of competition yesterday because I think that they are key things that took place for the future of Auburn and a couple different sports. Um, and I think that they can further... It's some momentum that I think basketball and football are going to build upon uh, moving forward, but we were talking about Jaden Lewis when we went to our last break. The four-star corner out of Anniston, Alabama. He is very, very light right now, just 165 pounds, uh, but he's still young. He's got time to fill out, and he's obviously going to come into the Auburn Strength and Conditioning Program and get bigger. Something that I have been told about him is that he has elite speed unbelievable speed on the football field I believe that I was told uh, his top speed running they have clocked him at 20.69 miles per hour as a current what saw or junior in high school uh, going into his senior year next year and I believe I was also told that the top speed at the senior bowl which practices is on here in the studio on ESPN2 watching uh, Max Duggan throw some passes uh, in some 7-on-7 drills. But the top speed of the players at the Senior Bowl this week, I believe I heard, was 20.8 miles per hour. So we're talking about a 16, 17-year-old who already has that elite speed, that NFL-caliber speed, and that's encouraging for a guy who you know is only going to get bigger, only going to get stronger over the course of his career, uh, I think that he's another great addition to this Auburn class. I love, he was on campus this weekend at Junior Day when Auburn had a crazy amount of players on campus. 204, I believe, is the final head count, which when we talked to Christian Clemente last week, he said that it was about, uh, there were about 45, 50 guys that he had confirmed. He thought there'd be an extra I don't know, 20, 30 guys coming on campus? Well, they exceeded that as uh, 204 came on campus. Um, I know not everybody loved that of the players on campus. Some people thought it was crowded, but for the most part, nothing but positives from that weekend. Jaden Lewis is one of those guys on campus. Uh, I believe it was either Sunday or Monday put out a tweet saying, I'm making my announcement on Wednesday. I want to commit... I want to start recruiting for my class. And sure enough, here uh, Wednesday afternoon, he commits to Auburn, who had been considered the favorite. But I love the way that he describes that moment. He actually committed on junior day. He just didn't announce it. But he said, it went exactly like I pictured in my head. Uh, this is from the story on On3. 
Coach Freeze told me about the number one class at Ole Miss that he had and said that the first two classes when a coach comes into a new school are the most critical and most important classes. Coach Freeze told me that he didn't expect a commitment on junior day from Jaden Lewis. He didn't wake up thinking he would get a commitment from Jaden Lewis, but he would love to have one. And Jaden Lewis looked at him and said, look, I want to commit right now. Let's do it. And he said, Hugh Freeze went running out of the room, went and grabbed Zach Etheridge and Weston McGriff, brought them in, and they all like celebrated. But I love this kid's mindset. I love how fired up he is to be at Auburn. And when you listen to him talk about, I mean, look, he, Zach Etheridge is the biggest role behind, biggest piece of uh, this recruitment of why he chose Auburn, the relationship he has there. We've heard about that. He loves Auburn. Auburn's home. He's talked about that before. And I love that he's already talking about guys he wants to bring in with him. And his number one guy, he said, was Anquan Fagans from Thompson, 2025 DB, uh, number one safety in the 2025 class, a five-star caliber guy, uh, number 11 player in that class, number one safety in the country. That is Jaden Lewis's number one target. He said that they grew up playing Little League basketball, football, and baseball together. They're, they're friends. They're from the same area. They grew up together. That's one of the first people he wants to bring with him to Auburn. And I think people that early in cycles, getting players that care, that are 100% invested in the school is so big because those are your guys that go out and give you they're an extra coach on the trail. They're a different perspective. They, um, You see them, their word carries weight because when you are talking, when, when recruits are talking to coaches and they're getting recruited, there's the, well, you may not be here when I get to campus. You may not stay here when I get to campus. Or you're the coach, so like you might just be saying this to get me on campus. You might be saying this to get me to commit, to get me to sign. It's different, I think, when it comes from another player in the class. When it comes from a commit, it was like, hey, this is my experience. This is what I know about these people. This is what I know about this place. This is why it's special, and this is why I want to be a part of it. And this is why I want you to join me. I think that carries a different weight. I think that that is, I think back to recent classes, Damari Austin might be one of the best commits that Auburn has ever had in terms of how vocal, how outspoken he was about how much he loved Auburn, how much he wanted to recruit guys to come play with him. That's somebody that I firmly believe loves Auburn, and and uh, he still does, and he tweets about it all the time. He was a really fun guy to watch when he came in in his cycle, but I am encouraged by Jaden Lewis joining this class. I think this... This 2024 class is only going to pick up momentum from here. Uh, I think that there are other names that Auburn will continue to add. Well, they're obviously going to continue to add, but I think Hugh Freeze and the staff, when you look at what they did in the 2023 class in, what, two weeks? Flipping uh, Sylvester Smith from Tennessee. Flipping Darren, um, Darren Reed from LSU. Flipping Kyan Lee from Ohio State, Steven Johnson from Arkansas, Keldrick Falk from FSU, who I firmly believe 
will be the headliner of this class. He'll be an instant impact guy. I think he and Darren Reed will walk onto campus and be in that defensive line rotation because I think they're that good and they're that physically ready. I don't. I'm not. I don't know if we would have said that about Keldrick Falk um, when we thought he was six five two forty. You may have thought, okay, he might play a little bit. He might be a rotation piece, but he's got to spend some time in the weight room. He's got to get bigger. But the fact that he went to All American Bowl practice and measured at six five two seventy and was one of the best defensive linemen at that uh, bowl game, at that high school All Star game, and he showed speed. Quickness, power, strength, everything you want out of an edge rusher. I think that's why he picked up his fifth star on Rivals. And that's why I am looking to him to be the biggest immediate impact guy in this class because he also comes in at a position of need when you look at that edge room. I mean, you can look up on ESPN2 right now. Auburn's got two guys in Ekuliota and Derek Hall that are leaving that room this year. And they're going to the NFL. Uh, and just saw Derek Hall up there taking reps against the offense. So we know that depth is a little bit iffy in that room. You bring in Elijah McAllister, the Vanderbilt transfer, who I think will be a solid piece. He's another physical specimen, very big, very strong guy, uh, experienced guy, great leader, great human being with uh, all the charity work that he's done in his career. I think that those two guys will make immediate impacts. Well, really those three guys, Elijah McAllister, uh, Keldrick Falk, and Darren Reed. I'm excited about those guys, but uh, you look at the work that Hugh Freeze and the staff did in a short period of time in the 2023 class, now give them a whole cycle. Just watch the damage this staff does. And I think that they put everybody on notice with the amount of flips that they had in the 2023 class. People probably should be and probably are extremely worried about what this staff can do in 2024 and the waves that they can make. I think 2025 even more so. There are some names out there that I think Auburn has a legitimate chance with that will move the needle immediately, Uh, but it's big to get Malik Autry on board. But also in the news yesterday, uh, Jeremiah Cobb, the four-star running back who's been committed to Auburn for a long time, loves Cadillac Williams, very close relationship with him. Uh, has been really, I mean, I, I I don't think there's any reason why Auburn fans should have been worried, but I think Auburn fans have been so um, jaded by past moments where you've seen players burn Auburn. They've been burnt so many times, whether it be George Pickens, TJ Yeldon, Cyrus Cuanjo, Brent Calloway, Rashawn Evans, Reuben Foster, just to name a few It feels like when a guy like that doesn't sign in the early period, oh no, something's wrong. He's probably going to end up somewhere. And I know Clemson, I know Georgia pushed after him in the fall at certain points. But really, ever since the early signing day, there has been zero buzz about him going anywhere. There really wasn't that much buzz about him going anywhere regardless. And he had his ceremony at his high school, Montgomery Catholic, he officially signed with Auburn, and that's a huge addition to to lock that up. I do think that he'd been locked up for a while. Uh, I think that that may have just been a public announcement of it. 
Uh, and I think that that's a big piece because I think he has a unique skill set and he has a chance to make an impact as a freshman. I think you could see him serve a an Alvin Kamara kind of role in this offense. Darquez Hunter is your every down back. Brian Batty brings a lot of speed. Uh, he kind of gets lost behind the offensive line because he's 5'8", uh, maybe 5'7", even. But he's a great player. Uh, Damari Austin's still there. He is a good player as well. We haven't seen as much of him because it was his true freshman year this past year. But I really like that running back's room. Also, Montgomery Catholic, Auburn picks up the walk preferred walk-on commit of, I believe, their, their kicker. Uh, I believe his last name is Gage. I'm drawing a blank on the first name. Um... But that was a huge thing for for um, Auburn to get as well because Auburn has this great history of kickers and punters right now. Stephen Clark didn't stick in the NFL, but he was an All-American. Uh, that was encouraging to watch that happen. And then you, you look at kickers. You've got Daniel Carlson. You've had so many good kickers come through. Cody Parkey was in the NFL for a while. Daniel Carlson's one of the three best kickers in the NFL I mean, you could look at um, Justin Tucker and Harrison Butker is probably the other the other two in that group. But there's you have this list of specialists that you can point to. Aaron Sipos, the punter before Austin Chapman or Oscar Chapman, who is currently on campus right now, who I, and I think is an NFL caliber punter. Aaron Sipos is going to punt in the Super Bowl, so Auburn has this great um, list of specialists that they can point to. Adding the Under Armour All-American punter to this class to sit behind Oscar Chapman to potentially be the next guy up in 2024, I think that's a great addition. Um, Not going to grab a ton of headlines, but I like what Auburn did there. Um, We're going to go to our first break here in hour number two. When we come back, we're going to talk about the momentum on the basketball recruiting trail. Coming up later in hour number two, we have Chris Gordy of the Locked On uh, Podcast Network, Locked On SEC, will join the show. We'll talk about everything in the SEC. If you want to call in and be a part of the show, call in at 334-321-1390. We'll see you on the other side of this break. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Welcome back to On the Line here in the Auburn Network studio. Carter Bird soloing on the line today. I'm Jacob Goins. Um, call in Lee Scott Girls Basketball right now on AU100. If you want to call in and be a part of the show, call in at 334-321-1390. Uh, we've been talking Auburn football recruiting and the momentum of yesterday for the past few minutes, for um, the past couple segments, and the addition of Malik Autry in the 2025 class, the four-star defensive lineman, very big player already, uh, before he's even turned 16. And then you uh, talk about the addition of Jaden Lewis and what that means to this Auburn recruiting class. Jeremiah Cobb makes it official yesterday. Uh, Not that there was anything to worry about there. And Auburn picked up a preferred walk-on Under Armour All-American punter uh, from Montgomery Catholic as well. Switching gears to basketball, some news from earlier today that I do want to hit before uh, we start talking about the recruiting news of yesterday. It was announced earlier today uh, by John Rothstein of CBS Sports 
Auburn is the eighth and final team in the 2024 Maui Invitational Field, according to multiple sources. Uh, the rest of the field includes North Carolina, UConn, Michigan State, Memphis, Iowa State, Colorado, and Dayton. So that'll be a lot of fun. Auburn went there a few years ago, back when uh, um, we saw the Horace Spencer, Zion Williamson meet at the rim moment. Um, and uh, Auburn got to play Duke. They got to play some really high-level teams. Um, and in that, this upcoming year, there, there, there's some big-name schools in there. That's a UConn team that's really talented, really good. Michigan State, traditionally very good. Memphis, very talented. Iowa State, one of the best teams in the Big 12. Um, North Carolina, obviously played in the national championship last year. Been a little bit bumpier of a year for them this year. Dayton's been pretty good in certain spots. Colorado's kind of a middling Pac-12 team right now. Uh, middle of the pack, back of the pack in the Pac-12. Um, but that's some great news for Auburn. That's going to be a lot of fun coming up in 2024. Kind of that, or I think it's around Thanksgiving is when that's played. Um, but a player who might be playing in that game um, is 2024 point guard Tahad Pettiford. Six foot, 160 pounds. I think he's six one. Some places maybe. Uh, out of Jersey City, New Jersey, uh, he committed to Auburn yesterday. I think within minutes of Jaden Lewis in football. Very highly rated player, five star some places. He is 35th uh, in the country on on three, 26th on two four seven, 21st on Rivals, and 20th on ESPN. Top five point guard at all those places. I don't think Rivals has those positions mapped out yet, um, but a very good player. If you watch his highlights, very explosive, very quick. Uh, just has that quick twitch, that speed, that quickness that you need if you're not going to be a very good, very big point guard. Rather, um, I think that that is a huge pickup for Auburn in 2024. Uh, they already had the the commitment of Peyton Marshall, the Seven foot, three hundred and ten pound center, the four star, um, very big player who has a body type that I don't think we've seen at Auburn in a long time, and I do wonder what extra physicality he's going to bring that we have not seen. Uh, you might have one of those really, really big, big ten, uh, big men kind of with Peyton Marshall on campus. Probably going to have to drop some weight before he gets to campus, and. Uh, Increase that speed, that endurance, that athleticism. As we watch Derek Hall taking some pass rush reps, and uh, he just took a big L on that one. That was that was tough. That was tough. He just got destroyed by Syracuse's left tackle on ESPN2 at the Senior Bowl. Uh, but this is huge for 2024 because Auburn is building a class right now in 2024 that I think has a chance to be one of the best in the country. We're going to find out more about it tomorrow when LeBaron Filan, the point guard, uh, from, I believe, Baker or Theodore down in Mobile. Um, very Plays at the highest level of basketball in the state of Alabama, scoring 37.6 points per game in 7A basketball in the state of Alabama at Baker High School. Bigger point guard. I think people expect him to be kind of a combo guard at Auburn. Six foot four, 175 pounds. Uh, just a true slasher. Gets to the paint has unbelievable, um, I guess, ability to get above the rim and play above the rim. Um, I think he's shooting pretty well from three, 36%. That gives me some hope that he can develop a three-point shot uh, at Auburn. But a highly rated guy, he is committing tomorrow. 
I think most people expect him to land at Auburn. He is a very highly rated player, another great addition. And he's somebody that Todd Pettiford said uh, right after he committed. He said, hey, I am trying to get LeBaron Phylon to come play with me. That is the first guy I'm working on. We are working on building the best class in 2024. There's, they're not going to be done with LeBaron Phylon. I think Auburn's got a chance to continue to add and have a truly dominant 2024 class. And think about it, that group, they all come in in 2024. They're going to be going to the Maui Invitational. They're going to be taking on some really high-level teams. Uh, and That's very encouraging for Auburn looking to the future. Uh, after I think some people were maybe um, a little critical of Bruce's recruiting the past couple of years. Don't think that's necessarily fair. Um, but I think that things are about to turn up a notch. Very excited to see what this future 2024 class can do here at Auburn Um, I think that they're going to be just a lot of fun to watch they're going to play some high level basketball and we might see this Auburn program take yet another step I don't know how you can say that that's possible with the way that they've dominated the SEC over the last five years but I think that the runway is kind of clear it's paved it's ready for Auburn to consistently uh, recruit and be at the top two in this conference. When you look at, um, I mean, I, I still wonder if if maybe there's a shakeup in, in the coaching uh, world of the SEC. There's some open jobs, some jobs that will likely be open. Uh, that Louisville job is one. That uh, Texas job is already open. Maybe they stick with the interim because they've done a great job holding that that season together. But I do think that there are some interesting uh, potential shakeups in the SEC and the coaching world. I do not think Bruce Pearl is going to be one of those. I think Bruce Pearl plans on being here at Auburn for a long time. Uh, I think this will probably be Bruce Pearl's last stop, if I had a guess. But I really do believe that you might see Bruce Pearl go get elite talent more often going forward. I think this roster right now, there are a lot of pieces that are good. Um, but I do think Auburn now has an ability to upgrade with the sustained success, the way that they have built uh, a long-term success here under Bruce Pearl. Uh, I think that the prestige of the program, the the standing nationally, has only gone up, up, and up, and I am very excited, very encouraged to see what Bruce Pearl can do. Uh, and, I mean, look, if he keeps – winning games if they if they go to Thompson Bowling this weekend and get a win if they go to Texas A&M and get a win um, then we're talking about a team yet again that may not have the most talent in the SEC I think you would say they're probably in the middle of the pack in talent in the SEC but if they finish on the top four of the conference it would be one of Bruce Pearl's best coaching jobs especially with the flaws on this roster with the lack of shooting um, with at times the inconsistent guard play, you got a great game out of it uh, with them last time out. But I do think it will be a very, very um, fun. It, it could be one. It could be Bruce Pearl's best coaching job in my mind if this team finishes in the top four of the conference. If they win a couple games in the SEC tournament, if they make a Sweet 16 or something like that. Looking forward to see what Bruce Pearl can do moving forward. Something just to keep an eye on. I'm, I'm, I think he can do it. I think if he gets the consistency out of his guys, 
this team might really take off down the stretch. We're going to head to our next break. Coming up, Chris Gordy joins the show on On the Line, talking everything the SEC. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Welcome back to On the Line here in the Auburn Network studio. Uh, Carter Bird solo in the show today with uh, Jacob Goins on the road calling uh, Lee Scott girls basketball right now. Lee Scott boys basketball at 730 at Springwood. Both those teams are taking on Springwood in those games in the, uh, I think, region semifinal, I believe. Um, but uh, we've been talking uh, about Auburn basketball and uh, the, the, I guess, news of the commitment um, of Tahad Pettiford, the potential commitment of LeBaron Filan, uh, and the, I guess, addition of Auburn to the 2024 Maui Invitational Field. Uh, we were hoping to get Chris Gordy on the show. Uh, unable to do that right now. We're unable to get a hold of him, uh, but that's all right. We're going to continue to talk about some things. Uh, we have some breaking news right now. Uh, as of seven minutes ago on Saturday down south, Andrew Olson, Nate Oates reportedly to receive uh, a multi-year extension and raise at Alabama. It would raise his, it was, it's an extension through the 28-29 season and it would raise his salary to $4 million per year. Um, that is huge news because, I mean, as as we went to break, uh, I had not seen this news. I think it's just came out. I think it may have been uh, John Rothstein that broke the news, actually, as I see that it's his tweet that is cited in the story. He was somebody who I thought could be the next coach at uh, at Texas, but now he signed a big extension to stay at Alabama, a lifetime kind of contract is I think what uh, some people are calling it um very interesting for me considering the state of Alabama basketball I know they're really good this year I know that they have had two of the last three years they've been one of the best teams in the country but this is an Alabama basketball program that is in Coleman Coliseum that is probably too big for that fan base. Um, they don't fill it up necessarily all of the time. It looks ugly. It makes no sense, to be honest with you, because and that will this will bug me until the day that Coleman uh, Coliseum no longer is standing on, on the campus of Alabama in, Tus- in Tuscaloosa. The long ends of what looks like a giant airplane hangar don't go with the long ends of the court. Makes no sense to me, but it is what it is. Uh, they had plans to build a new arena, a smaller arena, uh, that would have put it kind of a little bit bigger than maybe Neville Arena is, but similar feel. I think that was the plan. They pushed that, so now they're still in Coleman Coliseum, which I think is a very good SEC environment, but I think that there are some drawbacks with how big it is, uh, student section being in certain spots. Um, there, I'm surprised that he was so quick to lock in with Alabama, considering Louisville might open up, uh, Texas is open, 
You look at jobs like it feels like Jim Beheim is getting to the end of the line at Syracuse. Um, there could be some big-time basketball uh, programs with maybe higher ceilings, uh, with a little more blue blood running through the veins of those programs uh, opening up. I mean, if things turn south in Kentucky and Cal bolts somewhere, that job could come come open. Because, I mean, when I look at Nate Oates, and I've said this before on the show, I think he is one of the best coaches in the country. Um, I think that he can take this Alabama program to a Final Four, maybe. I'm not sure he will win a national championship at Alabama. I I, I think the ceiling might be around that. But this is a guy that I think if he had gone to Texas this offseason, I would have said, oh, Nate Oates is going to win multiple national championships at, at Texas, which may not be fair because I feel like the expectations are always crazy high at Texas and they always somehow fall short all of the time. Um, but even at, even if Kentucky had come open, I think Nate Oates could have done, been a national championship winning head coach at a place like Kentucky. Um, you look at Louisville, I think he could have returned Louisville back to where they needed to be. Little surprised that, uh, and I think he could have won a national championship there too, to be honest, with the history that they have. I'm just a little surprised that this got locked up the way that it did, and it's a long-term deal. And I don't know if the buyout specifics are out there, but as of right now, it appears the Bruce Pearl-Nate Oates rivalry battle in the state of Alabama, uh, battle at the top of the SEC, will continue long into the future. I think that that's a very some very interesting news. Uh, and transitioning from that, let's uh, take a look at what happened last night in uh, the SEC. As you know, Auburn got the 94-73 victory at home against Georgia. They avenged that loss earlier in the season. Uh, they play extremely well. They dominate Georgia. They hold the two guards that went off for 43 points in the first matchup to 17. That is as many points as Cario Okendo had in the first matchup. So great job there. You made them turn the ball over five times. You made them a lot more uncomfortable. They were not able to settle in. They were not able to dictate the game. Uh, and it was able to, to allow Auburn to separate and really distance itself. Uh, I know in the second half, uh, Auburn's defense maybe got a little more relaxed as Georgia shot 53%, uh, 52.6% from three, going 10 of 19 from three in the second half. But Auburn shoots 67.7% in the second half, 21 of 31, 5 of 11 from, from three. Um, the only complaint offensively you can really have with this Auburn team is they did not shoot the free throw well. Last night, they were 13 of 21, 61.9%. But you got some production out of Chris Moore where he starts to look a little bit more back to normal. Um, Trey Donaldson off the bench, five assists, no turnovers. He hit a three as well. Uh, Allen Flanagan, 22 points, eight of 10 from the field, three of five from three. uh, Does not turn the ball over. Jani Broom, 19 points, eight of 11 from the field, three of three at the free throw line, 18 rebounds. Uh, Jalen Williams made an impact, four points, five rebounds, four assists, no turnovers. Wendell Green, best game we've seen out of the last week and a half for him. Six of 11 from the field, 
18 points, 3 of 5 from 3. He shot it well from 3. That 3-point shot has held him back this year. Uh, 3 of 4 at the free throw line, 2 rebounds, 6 assists, a couple turnovers. And probably the one that uh, sticks out to me as a key contributor in this game that I think you have not gotten consistent play out of is Dylan Cardwell. He played eight minutes. He had eight points, four or five from the field, grabbed five rebounds, had three assists. He had four fouls in eight minutes, which is impressive. He did have a turnover, but he's somebody that I've also been critical of. I think in that sophomore season for for Dylan Cardwell last year behind Walker Kessler, I think he was very, very good. I think he showed toughness and effort on the court. I think when you look at that uh, Texas A&M game in the SEC tournament, it seemed clear to me, given Walker Kessler dealing with a shoulder injury uh, and was maybe not the same guy down the stretch for Auburn, somebody challenged Dylan Cardwell. Somebody said, hey, this is a physical team we are playing. You need to go out there and be more physical than them. And I think you saw when they would dump it down low to their big men who kind of got into the chest of Walker Kessler and got good opportunities, good looks, and scored some easy baskets at the rim, Dylan Cardwell was a brick wall. And he pushed him out. He pushed him out as they tried that back down dribble. And all of a sudden, they found themselves almost near the three-point line. I just think he played very physical. I think at times that has been lacking this year. I am encouraged to see the results of this game last night where I think he got into a rhythm. Uh, don't love that he went 0-4 at the free throw line, but I think him scoring eight points, him grabbing five rebounds, because there have been stretches in time this year where he doesn't get rebounds, and that has been alarming. That has been very alarming. When you look at, there were some games where Leor Berman, in fewer minutes, was getting two or three more rebounds than he was, and that can't happen when you're 6'11", 245, 250 pounds. You expect him to be physical, to get those boards. Um, But I am encouraged by his play. He's going to be needed moving forward. There's going to be a time in the back half of this conference stretch where Janai Broom gets in foul trouble. I know he didn't have any fouls last night. And Dylan Carwell is going to have to play. uh, He played 18 minutes last night, actually. He's going to have to play more minutes than we have seen um, recently. Because at times his role has been diminished to below 10 minutes. He was plus 8 in the plus minus. Uh, But Auburn, very encouraged. Wendell Green led the team. Plus 18 in the plus minus. Played extremely well uh, and put away Georgia. Elsewhere in the SEC, this one. I am so... I don't know what this, this game makes me feel. I don't know if it makes me feel better about Saturday or it makes me feel worse. But number two, Tennessee goes on the road to Florida and kind of just gets wire-to-wire dominated. Like, it felt like Georgia had, or Florida had a good grasp on this game. They got up 5-4 um, to four and held that lead until Tennessee took a brief lead with 12-27 left in the second half, and they held that lead for three and a half minutes. Then Florida takes back the lead and separates and got a huge, huge conference home win, 
67-54 against the number two team in the country, a team that was number one in the Kimpom going into last night. They've now dropped to number two uh, as Tennessee drops to 18-4. and Florida quietly putting together a really, really strong first season in the SEC under Todd Golden, former Auburn assistant uh, who came from San Francisco, 13-9, and 6-3 and three in conference play. I think they are uh, climbing the Kempom pretty, um, pretty well. They're number 38 in the Kempom right now, which for 13-9 and nine is pretty daggum strong. Not many teams with that record ahead of them. Um, but that is a huge win for Florida. I don't know if it means that Florida is going to be angry and they're going to come out like Alabama did on Tuesday after getting dominated at Oklahoma and beat by 24 points when it really it should have been 40 because Oklahoma had a 32-point lead with plenty of time left and they were dominating the game. And I think they kind of took their foot off the gas and let Alabama cut it to 24. But still, dominant performance by Oklahoma, who, by the way, then turned around and lost a home game to a solid Oklahoma State team, but not I would nothing to write home about. But... This performance by by Florida to win this game, I don't know if you're going to get a highly motivated Tennessee team on Saturday or if you are going, uh, you, you take away from this game, this Tennessee team is beatable because Kentucky went to their place and beat them. They lost to Florida on the road. Does it give Auburn more hope? Curious about that. And then finally to wrap up uh, the games last night, you saw Missouri get an 87-77 victory at home against LSU. Uh, it felt like this game should have been by a lot more. I mean, they had an 18-point lead 11 minutes and 12 seconds into the game. Felt like they kind of played with their food a little bit. They shot the three extremely well in this game, uh, 48.1% as they just kind of got up and kept uh, LSU at a distance, but things... Uh, don't look spectacular in Baton Rouge with the way that that team has collapsed. Eight straight conference losses, nine straight losses overall. Things are not going well for the LSU Tigers. We're going to hit our final break here of On the Line. If you want to call in, call uh, call us at 334-321-1390. We're going to wrap up the show on the other side of uh, On the Line. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Welcome back to the final segment of On the Line today in the Auburn Network studio. Uh, Carter Bird wrapping up the show. Good buddy uh, and co-host Jacob Goins calling some Lee Scott basketball right now. And... Um, Kind of as we wrap the show up, we talked a lot about Auburn's game last night against Georgia. Uh, a dominant victory, 94-73. Felt like it could have been by more if Auburn wanted it to be. Uh, it could have been by 30-35, but uh, Auburn kind of took their foot off the gas like you see some teams do in the last few minutes when uh, when they're up by a ton. Looking uh, elsewhere, we saw some big games that took place. Uh, we saw Florida get the big upset. We saw Missouri handle business as Missouri continues to just quietly rack up some wins and get back above 500 in conference play. Uh, we talked Auburn recruiting in football. 
picking up the 2025 commit Malik Autry, the four-star, very large player, 6'5", 280 at Opelika High School uh, here locally. And they picked up Jaden Lewis, the the four-star defensive back in the 24 class uh, out of Anniston, Alabama, and finally went official with Jeremiah Cobb, picked up uh, a the four-star running back out of Montgomery Catholic, picked up, picked up his teammate, the Under Armour All-American punter, um, as well as a preferred walk-on. And then basketball. You picked up Tahad Pettiford, the five-star point guard from New Jersey in the 24 class. We feel pretty good about LeBaron Phelan tomorrow. That'll be another uh, potential great addition to the 2024 Auburn recruiting class that would have three very highly rated players if he commits tomorrow. Uh, but looking at the SEC in basketball, you uh, the standings right now, you've got a 9-0 Alabama team at the top of the league. The next group, there is a group of three at 7-2, and two, two games back. And that is Texas A&M, who just took a loss at Arkansas, as Arkansas might be starting to figure some things out. Tennessee, who just took a loss uh, on the road at Florida. And Auburn, who is who is now bounced back from that A&M loss with a dominant Georgia victory. A Georgia team that I think is a solid team in this conference. Four and five. Uh, they are in the middle of the pack uh, kind of in the heart of this conference right now. Uh, and that Georgia team has played some tough t- tough games already. They they played Auburn twice. Uh, they went on the road to Florida. They, they went on the road to Rupp. They went on the road to Tennessee already. I think that they still have some tough challenges coming up. Um, but you look at the rest of the conference, Kentucky and Florida kind of quietly putting together their solid conference season, sitting at 6-3, and three, just a game back of Auburn, Tennessee, and Texas A&M. But you look at this weekend and moving forward, it's going to be very difficult for Auburn to hang on to a top-four seed in the league going into the conference tournament, just given the fact that you have – you're in Thompson Bowling – this weekend against a really good Tennessee team that just took a loss, and they might be motivated. Uh, so you have that coming up on on Saturday at one. Then you're on the road at A and M. Can you get the? Can you avenge the loss? That'll be something that I'll keep an eye on for sure. Uh, I think you're going to get a very motivated Auburn team in that. And does A and M shoot the way that they shot in that one? I think Auburn could build some momentum here. Tennessee is human. Texas A&M absolutely is human, and Auburn's going to be very motivated in that. If Auburn finds a way to win both of those, you're talking about real momentum going into the Alabama game with number 4 Alabama coming to town on February 11th. Anything can happen in that game. The atmosphere is going to be awesome. I know the ticket prices are insane. It's going to be as intense of a game as we see all year long in Neville Arena one way or the other. Um, I think that Auburn has a Auburn always has a chance at home to beat anybody because of the atmosphere and how they can get after some teams, especially after you just watched Alabama struggle on the road last weekend. Then you got that Missouri game. You've got to feel good at home. Vanderbilt on the road. I got it. You got to feel good about that right now because Vanderbilt's kind of going through it. Ole Miss at home. You should be able to handle that. That is a bottom three team in this league uh, at Kentucky. Very, very difficult. At Alabama, extremely difficult. The best team in the league. And then Tennessee at home. 
So you've got a tough stretch coming up these next three games, and then you end with very with three very difficult games. If Auburn can come out of those two stretches, three and three, and handle business with the middle three, if Auburn comes out of the second half of this conference season, six and three, that is an unbelievable job by Bruce Pearl uh, and this coaching staff. Remains to be seen. We'll talk more about that Auburn-Tennessee game tomorrow. Appreciate you joining us here on On the Line. It's been a lot of fun. Tomorrow, Jake McGoins should be back, I think. He should be with me. Remains to be seen. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Uh, The drive's coming up next, and uh, see you all later.